This episode is brought to you by Nitro Pack. Nitro Pack is an all-in-one site speed solution. Forget about trying to make caching work with your CDN and image optimization. Nitro Pack combines all speed optimizations into a single cloud-based solution. That includes advanced caching and built-in CDN, image lazy loading and compression, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript optimization, and more. On top of all that, it's easy and effortless to set up, and it won't take you more than five minutes. Once you enable Nitro Pack on your website, that's where the magic happens. The solution starts applying optimization automatically. If you want to save time and make your customers happy, Nitro Pack is the solution for you. Visit howibuilt.it slash nitro and test Nitro Pack risk-free by subscribing to their free plan. That's howibuilt.it slash nitro. What if I told you the answer to better organic traffic isn't more content, it's less content? That's what today's guest, Farzad Rashidi, argues. That when it comes to SEO, link building, and organic traffic, quality outperforms quantity every time. This cuts against the grain of what I've been saying for a long time. Be a consistent content creator. Or does it? Maybe consistent quality content is really what you need, not just publishing every week. But Farzad doesn't stop there. He provides a process for figuring out what content to write and how to get people to it. I'm just going to tell you up front that Farzad blew my mind a bunch of times, so much so that I did something I don't normally do, which is explicitly ask him about his product. Uh, it's something that, full disclosure, he's given me three free months on, so I'm trying it out. Uh, I will report the results back to you, but I'm really excited. Farzad does a really good job of explaining what to do. And he also says that the product's not for everybody. It solves a specific pain point. Another important lesson that we've been getting on this show a lot. So if you want to check out Farzad and his product, Respana, and everything that we talk about, you can head over to howibuilt.it slash 263. You'll also be able to learn about this week's sponsors over there, Nitro Pack, Taylor Brands, and Nexus. So go ahead over to howibuilt.it slash 263. Say thank you. Join the mailing list. Do all sorts of fun stuff. But for now, let's get into the intro and then the interview. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast that helps small business owners create engaging content that drives sales. Each week, I talk about how you can build good content faster to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. Real quick before we get started, I want to tell you about a free weekly newsletter I'm doing called Creator Toolkits. I want you to become a more efficient creator. It's the whole purpose and mission of this show. I want you to be able to free up more time to create, to get more sales, and to make more money. And you'll be able to do that with these free weekly tips delivered to your inbox every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. with the Creator Toolkits newsletter. As a thank you for signing up, you will get a free content planner that I use personally with uh, YouTube and podcasting, and that is built in Airtable. You'll get that completely for free if you head over to howibuilt.it slash Airtable. Become a more efficient creator with free weekly tips delivered directly to your inbox every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern over at howibuilt.it slash Airtable. Hey, everybody. I am here with Farzad Rashidi. He is uh, the lead innovator at Respana. I am really excited because uh, he he and his team reached out uh, at, I think, the perfect time. I was starting to look into uh, kind of SEO um doing more keyword research. I just finished a project, well, my VA did the project, but uh, of updating the titles for all of the episodes for this podcast so that they were uh, more descriptive and hopefully more SEO friendly. And so it was just really good timing. Uh, but enough about all that. Let's let's bring Farzad in. Uh, Farzad, how are you today? Uh, doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on the show, Joe. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Now I know we talked about this in the pre-show, but I am saying uh, your your name correctly, right? I'm, I want to be very cognizant about that. <laughs> 
you got it one hundred percent correctly. It's, it's pronounced Farzad. It's a Farzad. super Persian name. Awesome. I'm Iranian awesome. originally. That's gotcha. Right. Awesome. Yeah, I've I've had people on the show and they're like, yeah, however you say my name is fine. And I'm like, uh, but you know, I want to. <laughs> if people, you know, if the dozens of people, <laughs> if a lot of people listen to the show, and I want to make sure that, um, you know, if they say your name correctly, because that's I right. said your name correctly, so that's important I, I to appreciate me. that. Every time yeah. I go to Starbucks, I just tell the barista my my, my name is Bob or something. It's just, <laughs> it's just a lot easier for everybody at that point. So. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because I think I have a pretty phonetic name, but I still get like Casabana, like like all the soft is Casabona. It's like a really hard Casabona. That's right, Italian <laughs> uh, last name, and and um, you know, and then there's the inappropriate spins on that but that's not what we're talking about today um so uh the the topic that we kind of talked about in the pre-show was the um or the pre-show interview uh was the process for writing content that's optimized for seo um but before we kind of dive into that why don't you tell us a, a little bit about who you are and what you do of course. So, Joe, just to give you a little background, I started my career as the first marketing hire at Visme. Have you heard of Visme before, Joe? Visme. Are you saying Visme? No, That's no, right. I haven't. V-I-S-M-E. That's right. Uh, right. Well, if you've heard of tools like, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of tools like Canva or Press. Yes, yes. All right. Well, Visme is a little more upmarket than that. We're, we're predominantly a B2B software. Uh, anywhere, any any business from SMBs all the way up to enterprise. Um, and we, we got some more interactivity features, et cetera, for creating branded content. Now, the nice. uh, when I joined the company, it was a tiny little startup. We were still in beta. And uh, we had to figure out stuff in terms of our customer acquisition because uh, Bizme, uh, my co-founder, Respondo, is the founder of Bizme. And he is a very bootstrap-minded founder. And he believes that we should run a the company like a business, not like a startup. Mm -hmm. So he did not want to live in the fairland of, you know, let's go raise a bunch of money and burn a lot of cash and see if we can figure it out at the end of the day. So uh, we had to be very cost conscious. So we we had to quickly figure out a way to uh, bring a consistent flow of users onto our platform without us having to burn a ton of cash, especially in paid advertising, which is a never ending black hole. So what we soon realized was that one of the best ways, and we experimented with everything you can name on the sun, but what, what we soon realized is that one of the best ways we could consistently bring in quality leads into our, um, uh, our platform and actually uh, potentially get converted into a paying customer was through SEO. So what we started doing was basically to start uh, producing a lot of content and, and produce a ton of um, you know educational resources. And uh, we can definitely dive into some of the... Um, you know, details on that. But what we soon realized was one of the key factors that really helped Visme to sort of get blown out of water. So right now, just to give you a little background, Visme is now over 13 million active users, wow. still completely bootstrapped, close to 100 employees, fully profitable, and we're doubling our user base year over year. And, and, and the way we acquire all of these customers, which is around 20 to 25,000 new users, um, every day uh, without us having to spend much in paid advertising or cold average compared to our size is through our organic traffic, which is now close to two and a half, three million monthly organic visitors to our website that we're getting for free, which wow. is worth about one and a half million dollars worth of, worth of per paid advertising. We were yeah. bringing the same level of traffic that we're getting through our organic channels. Now, the key to got, that, that got us there and helped us stay over the top, especially in a very busy industry that we were in, which is design, uh, was in link building and off-page SEO. So basically getting other relevant authoritative sources in our space to start talking about us. And that basically is a vote to popularity in nice Google and other search engines. And that process of acquiring those backlinks really led us to the creation of Respana, which was initially created as and the internal software for us, it was sort of our secret sauce that helped us sort of skyrocket our traffic. And then we decided to release that as a standalone product. So that's, that's how uh, I sort of shifted away from Visme, now I run Respana, and uh, started the team and, and the rest is history. Wow, that's really interesting. So, so uh, Respana, is it still kind of part of the Visme fit? Is it like a subsidiary or like is it? It's just its own standalone thing. 
Standalone entity, that's right. But but uh, as I mentioned, uh, co-founder of Respana is the founder of Ismi. So we're very intertwined, but it's a separate team, gotcha. separate entity. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Wow, that's that's really cool. And so um, it's I, I know like dog fooding your own product used to be a, a very popular thing in like the mid to late 2000s. And it um, that's kind of like fallen off a little bit when you, you really want to solve customer problems. But it sounds like you did both, right? You solved a very real problem that you had and realized that you had a, a, a good solution to that problem. Absolutely, yes. Awesome. So, uh, so first of all, um, you mentioned that you started to produce a lot of content and educational guides and stuff like that. I would love to talk to you about that and build something more in the members episode if, if you're okay with that. Sure, of course. Let's do it. Awesome. So uh, if you uh, listening are not a member, you can head over to howibuilt.it slash 263. You'll find all of the show notes as well as a way to join the creator crew at just 50 bucks a year. That's less than five bucks a month. Uh, and you'll get this episode and every episode ad-free, extended. It's great. Um, as well as behind the scenes stuff. But um, what I really want to talk to you about, and we'll probably touch on the content stuff a little bit, right, is um, is kind of writing content that's optimized for SEO. And then you mentioned link building. So maybe what we could start off with is uh, a... Um, I won't put a number to it. I was going to say three-pronged approach, but a multi-pronged approach to getting organic traffic, right? It sounds like you need content, you need backlinks, you need people talking about you. Is is there this kind of framework or an approach that you take for that? Yeah, I happen to shed some light on that a little, Joe. So building a website, of, I've always said to our team, is kind of like building a house. Uh, there are different pieces of the puzzle you need to have it all together for it to work. Uh, so the site structure and the content that you have on your website, which uh, that nerdy term for is on-page SEO, is, mm-hmm. is like the foundation of the house. And the promotion tactics, link building included, is the is the building that you build on top. Now, you can't do one without another. So the first step is to get your site structure right. So, And that foundation is basically built on top of first figuring out where, what terms your cu- potential customers uh, are searching for throughout the customer journey, right? So let's say if you sell a service or a product, you want to put yourself in shoes of your customer and, and think, okay, when I'm actually starting to learn about this topic or now I'm looking actually for different solutions to this problem. And now I'm actually at a point of purchase. There are different tiers of web pages that needs to be created for each step. So at the very top of the funnel normally is blog articles, educational material. The consideration stage normally is some sort of you know, gated content. And that last but not least is sales landing pages. And once we have these content pieces created, then uh, most people stop from there. They just slap a bunch of stuff on their website and they call it a day. They're like, hey, we're sitting here and nine, over 90 some percent of content on the internet gets zero traffic. Mm-hmm. It, it's just not enough people coming to our website and just move on and start cold calling and start selling stuff. And, and that's how most businesses fail. So, yeah. <laughs> but we just, not not that a cold calling doesn't work. It definitely works for some industries. I'm just but saying, it, I, and it's a it's a grind. You got to do it right. There's got to be right. good timing, right? The the exactly. cold calling that works is the army of cold callers who uh, eventually kind of it's like it's like gambling a little bit, right? You you keep playing, eventually you'll hit. I can't really speak to that much just because yeah. I'm not an expert. I've never been good yeah. at outbound per se myself. Yeah. Uh, my my specialties predominantly inbound and we're yeah. an inbound company all throughout so that's something that we've definitely experimented with before and, and you know something that's just i'm not good enough at it to be able to speak to it much uh but on the inbound side of things that's something that's really worked wonders for us and so basically after creating these pieces of content i got to build that building on top and that's sort of where link building comes into uh, play and a lot of people think of link building as these spammy emails to get on their inbox, hi, I want to publish a guest post on your website. And that's just the opposite of exactly what we, pre- uh, what we preach. Mm-hmm. Uh, what link building is, is building relationships with relevant authoritative publications in your space uh, in order to get them to talk about you and reference you. And that's sort of how um, you can position yourself as an authoritative resource in your industry for your topic. And this is what we call building topical authority. And that's how you'd be able to sort of get your content pieces consistently ranked for your target keywords. So now that 
any at any stage of your buyer journey, people are searching Google for for potential service or potentially repurchasing your service. Then you start showing up, and it's not just the sales, not just on the uh, at the top for blog articles. It's all throughout the buyer journey. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, right? Because you're you're right. I get those cold emails all the time about <laughs> I'd love to write a blog post, or you know, maybe you could tell your audience about this. Um, but like, I mean, they're terrible. It'll be like. Hi, I'm inquiring about putting a link on Joe Casabona. And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> you know, you can't even say like your site or whatever. Um, gotcha. But, but you, but you're saying that's, that's a, a bad approach that it's really about relationship building. I think this is something that has come up a lot on this, sh- on this show uh, in the last year or two years or so, um, as well as other places that I've read about. There's, there's not really, I think a lot of people view, right, like SEO or paid ads or link building as a potential uh, shortcut to making a ton of money. But uh, these days, especially, right, it, it really is about the relationships that you build with with other people. That's right. And, and it's very difficult. I just want to be completely transparent with folks who are listening is that just like any other channel, it takes a considerable amount of time and effort. And it's quite a scientific process. Uh, that you know, uh, we we learn over the years by trial and error, um, and, and and I want to like be a snake oil salesman here and say, hey, you can do this, and then be you'll be a billionaire tomorrow. No, it's just yeah. it's a grind at, at any step of the process. But um, we I can, we can teach you stuff that makes it easier, uh, not not to make it you know um, um, as difficult as it was for us before. And and I actually outlined the whole process in a little ebook that I wrote. Um, and Visme is called, if you guys want to just Google like Visme marketing strategy, there's an ebook that I wrote that I sort of explain step by step. And it's free uh, in terms of, you know, and you're not going to get like little sales emails, <laughs> educational resource uh, that, that we sort of go step by step with screenshots. Okay, here's how you go through the whole content creation process. So if you like, I, I'm happy to shed some light on that and kind of di- dissect it a little bit more if you'd like. Yeah, I uh, well, I will definitely link that in the show notes. I found it. It's vizme.co slash marketing dash strategy. This episode is brought to you by Taylor Brands. One thing we cover a lot on this show is how important it is for new businesses to have a strong online presence. But how many of us actually know how to build a brand on our own? That's where Taylor Brands comes in. It's an AI-driven platform that automatically gives you everything you need to launch a beautiful brand without having any previous design experience. Once you create a logo with it, seriously, it takes five minutes. I tried it. Your design theme is automatically integrated into a website, unlimited designs for social media, a digital business card, and even printed business cards and merch. You can access all of it through the Taylor Brands platform. The great thing about it is that everything takes a few minutes to set up so you can have an entire online presence by the end of the day. And you can get 40% off if you go to taylorbrands.com and use my code, How I Built It. That's the name of the show, all one word. That's taylorbrands.com and code, How I Built It, to create an online presence for your business at 40% off. Let's talk a, a little bit about the building relationships and then kind of how it relates to figuring out what content to write and um, and then where SEO falls in, into all of that, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. Absolutely. So so let's go through a little example together. All right, Joe, I think that would be probably a little more, um, um, I feel like, clear group for uh, folks who are listening. So let's say we open up a, um, actually, let's take Respond as an example. I think that would be a good example to, to kind of work through because that's exactly what we did over the past two years. So we, we have a software company and we sell a, uh, a link building outreach software. And it's a very clear cut um, in our use case. Now, what we had to do, we're like, okay, so there's a few key parent terms that we uh, that 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 we, that we sort of categorize ourselves as, and one of them being link building. That is the parent keyword. Now, what we wanted to do was to start because there is an uh, almost a like mathematically an unlimited number of keywords that a person could potentially search for that has to do with link building. So we need to find a way on how to prioritize these. So the way we want to prioritize the keywords that we want to go after to hit those touch points during the customer journey 
is what are called the opportunity keywords. And it's a very simple formula. So basically, you want to prioritize keywords that get the highest amount of volume with the lowest amount of competition with the highest amount of commercial intent. So so once you pop these into a little formula, then you you have a clear-cut way of uh, prioritizing those keywords. So that formula is, so if you're using a tool like, for example, there's a a bunch of SEO software tools out there, the two biggest ones being Ahrefs and other SEMrush. These tools give you some metrics that you could play with. I'm just going to say, uh, full disclosure here, that Ahrefs is a previous and uh, potential future sponsor sponsor of the podcast. I, I knew that. That's right. Nice. <laughs> I see the Ahrefs mug here, right? Mm. We're, we're, we're also I, customers of Ahrefs. Yeah. Nice. Great relationship with them. And so so does uh, the SEMrush team. They also have a great product. And anyhow, uh, don't mean to plug them too much. <laughs> no, no, not not at all. I just felt I needed to disclose that as we talk no about problem. them. No yeah. problem. That's right. We, we love both teams over there. Uh, but anyhow, so as far as the process of identifying these keywords go, they have, they have tools that they give you metrics that you can pop into this formula. And that is, so for example, the amount of volume, it's clear, the volume of that keyword. And normally I like to uh, go by, based off the number of clicks, not number of searches, just because there's a lot of terms that don't get a whole lot of traffic because there's a feature snippet at the top that just takes, when people get the answer, they don't actually mm-hmm. click through your website. Yeah. Number of clicks, a number, and, and the, the level of competitiveness is determined by a metric called keyword difficulty. So meaning that, for example, if Adobe and Google, these guys are actually dominating the search results, it becomes very difficult for some of the smaller sites to start ranking for those. So we want to minimize that. And also the last metric is which we determine commercial intent by is the CPC for that keyword. So if other advertisers are actually paying Google to get on top of the search results by ranking, it means they're making money off of it. So mm. So that is a clear uh, indication that there is some commercial intent for that keyword. So we want to prioritize keywords that hit all those three criteria. And there's, you can pop it into a little formula, discuss that in the ebook. And then basically now you start with a list. You're like, okay, for example, link building. What is link building? Or link building software. Or link building tools. So when you go through the keywords, it becomes quite clear what stage of the customer journey each person is. Now, you want to determine the user intent for each one of those keywords. And to determine that, it's just as simple as just Googling it, right? So if we want to see if, for example, if somebody's typing in, what is link building? Go on Google, and a little incognito tab on your browser, and type that in. See what type of content pops up. And there's normally a very clear trend of the type of content that's up there. Is it a list post? Is it a blog article? Is it a sales landing page, right? So for example, what is link building? most likely going to be an informational blog post, right? And then you want to go ahead and identify the type of content and also find out the longer tail variations of the keyboard. So especially under the people also ask, you want to see, okay, what are some of the other questions that people are trying to get answers for while we're looking for that keyword? Now, once we have a list of uh, that keyword, know the user intent, know the list of questions, then second step is to go ahead and start writing that piece of content, right? And that's, that's the part that I tell our writers and our marketing team to stop being scientific, mm-hmm. stop thinking about SEO, not just only think right from the heart. Because Google has become extremely smart over the years in identifying, okay, what is actually quality content? And you want to write for the user because what happens is that when, when you start keyword stuffing your content and you start just writing like blabby and what happens is that people come in take a look it looks crappy they just move back to the search results and select something else and that's that's what we call a bounce in search results so that just sends a signal to the user users don't actually like this content you want to start you know putting together visuals put some videos in there but make sure the site loads fast all that good stuff and write content that actually clearly answers the question and do not care about word count sometimes longer pieces of content are necessary to answer everything Sometimes shorter pieces of content do a lot better. We have to sometimes go back and just reduce some of the um, blog post sizes that we have just because they were underperforming. And then after we started shrinking it, like, or like let's cut all the junk that nobody was actually you know, uh, adding any value. And then they started actually performing better because people stay much longer on that page now. And, and basically, right from the heart, provide value as much as you can. And don't just go and, you know, use drop into an ai tool and just call it a day actually spend time i recommend always if you don't have resources to create content create less content 
There's no such thing. I don't have enough resources for content or creating quality content. Stop producing so much damn content. Create one <laughs> blog post once a month that is of quality. I think any business in the world can can do that, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, I, I want to, hold on. I want to stop you yeah, right there because that's really interesting. There's a couple of things that you said that really stood out to me. Um, when you write the content, stop thinking about SEO, right? I think that cuts against conventional... Uh, wisdom. I mean, uh, maybe other SEO companies are saying like, right for SEO, right? I, you probably know of Yoast and their WordPress plugin maybe uh, and how you want to get those green dots for like the keywords and the heading. And I never pay attention to that because it's just too much work. Um, because I want to, like you said, I want to write good content. And if I'm too busy, like worried about like stuffing the keyword into a heading, then it's it's going to seem contrived. So I really like that you said that. And I think that really um, resonates with, with the audience. And then if you don't have the resources to write a lot of content, write less content. Um, that's really interesting to me. I, I think that's kind of, I mean, it would help me a lot probably because I put out maybe three, four pieces of content a week as an independent creator. Of course, I'm, I'm, in the business of content creation. But um, basically what you're saying here is, is quality over quantity, right? If, if you're going to spend five hours a week writing content, put that five hours into one really good piece of content. Exactly. Because, you know, Joe, as you said, it, it's, it would be a big waste of time and money if you pump out pieces of content and nobody reads. It's just a waste of time. So you got to find a balance of, okay, first of all, if I just start writing from the heart, nobody, it's not going to show up any sort of source. So nobody's going to come into your website. So if you're just exclusively looking at, okay, I just need to write quality content. That's not good enough. But you're like, okay, I need to exclusively write for SEO. It's not good enough. It's more of a bell curve. There is an optimization point in the middle. And that, in my opinion, is to start doing the research pre-hand, know what you have to talk about, what you need to answer, and that the content needs to touch on all those points, does need to include, in fact, that keyword that you're mainly looking for in the URL, the post, in the, in the main subject line, but now in the, tag, uh, in, in the description. But then that, that content that the user starts reading needs to answer their question, right? And, and that part is something that you want to uh, focus a lot more on quality over quantity, as I mentioned. God, I love that. Because I mean, as we record this, right, it's it's March. I think this episode's coming out in April. But, um, you know, there's, I think, the Ship 30 for 30 challenge going on. And I've heard really good things about that. But I've always been very suspect. I don't, you know, I, not to smack talk Dickie Bush or uh, the other guy he works with. But um, I just don't think it creates an appreciable habit to say, I need to publish 30 blog posts in 30 days. I think it puts undue stress and undue pressure on the creator if, if they're trying to forge that habit. So, um, so I think what you're saying is absolutely right. It's a huge waste of time and money to put out content that nobody reads or listens to or watches, right? Um, I say the same thing to my podcast clients and my podcast students. Like, you don't need a weekly podcast. If it's monthly and it's consistent and it's good, people will listen. Um, but if it's weekly and crappy, you know, you're going to lose listeners. Exactly. That's right. But you know, another aspect is Joe, that a lot of people have found this out. So a lot of companies are putting out quality pieces of content. A lot of people are doing the, going through the steps that I just walked through and producing, uh, you know, uh, these content pieces and landing pages. But then what happened for us at this, we were like, Hey, this is awesome. This makes a lot of sense. Let's go ahead and put this out these, blog posts and, uh, and these landing pages. And guess what happened? What Nothing. happened? <laughs> <laughs> it was just crickets. Yeah. We're just sitting there on Google Analytics. They're like, oh, there's one person. I'm like, nope, that's my mom. <laughs> it, was, it was quite discouraging because I'm like, hey, we're doing everything right. Why is it not working? Then we started realizing that, okay, let's take one keyword as an example. For example, if you go on Google link building tools, which is like one of the very high value keywords for us. All right, let me actually do this as I say, link building tools. So if I can look this up on Google right now, there's close to, there's 9.2 billion search results for this keyword. 
9.2 billion with a B. Wow. Now, let's say you're in the top 0.1%. You're still in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Right? In the search zone. So how do you go from hundreds of thousands to top 10, which get over 99% of all the clicks? And that's when it hit us. They're like, okay, well, let's understand how, how Google thinks. The little background, the way Google won the search engine game back in the early 2000s, was by developing this algorithm called PageRank, which puts ways on web pages, not just purely based on the content that's on that web page, but based on its popularity, meaning how other websites, authoritative websites in their space, are actually referencing and talking about it. And the more people are talking about it, depending on how authoritative they are, then it adds more value. Now it becomes a clear trend. Okay, well, this content, a lot of people in their space talk about it. Let's prioritize them. Let's move it from 100,000th rank to number one or two or three. And, and that process led to the idea of like, okay, well, let's start investing some more on content promotion. And there was a very clear trend of traffic and depend on, depended on how much we were spending time on content promotion versus traffic. And what happened was the sweet spot that we found was mind-blowing. A lot of startups, a lot of companies, small businesses, large, spend a ton of resources on content creation and spend a little time on promotion, the ones that do. Some, most don't. But we started reversing that ratio. <laughs> so 20% of our marketing, so the way we allocated our resources was completely out of whack. We, now we spend 20% of our marketing resources on content creation. The other 80% goes into promotional link building. Interesting. Now, that's what really skyrocketed us and blew us out of the water. Now, every single one of the content pieces, regardless of whether it's the blog post, whether it's the landing page, whether it's the template page, became a project. Like, okay, now we produce it, publish it. Okay, that's 20% of the work. 80% remainder of the work is going to be spent on promotional link building. Make sure that we place this in places where it would make contextual sense for someone to reference it to. Not just for the referral traffic that would potentially come, but also from the backlink perspective. And the process of that now is quite time-consuming. I'm not going to lie. Because a lot of people don't want to do this just because it's not directly under our control. And humans intrinsically don't like to do stuff that's not under your control. It is completely under your control to open up your Google Docs, start writing some content, start producing some podcast episodes and put it out there. That's completely under your control, right? You can spend X amount of time, you can produce X amount of content. But what's really uncomfortable for us is getting other people now to talk about it and mention it, have references. And that's what's the real, uh, you know, uh, uh, deal breaker for a lot of creators is because they just don't want to go out of their comfort zone to do this. Now, it's a competitive advantage for the ones that do. So what we started doing was basically hiring a team of data miners and they're finding the right spots, using a variety of different strategies. Again, you have to remember, we were in some geniuses who sat down and just strategized all these things. These things, these are things that we've found out and learned through trial and error over the years, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of failures in the middle. <laughs> Mostly failures, I would say. <laughs> Some worked, and then we just doubled on the stuff that worked and cut out the stuff that didn't. And, and that process of content promotion and link building what, what was the real key in that whole strategy, and that's what led to creation of Responder. We're like, hey, we're duct taping a bunch of different tools together. We're wasting a lot of people's time and energy doing some of the mundane, dirty work of data mining, finding the right person, getting their contacts, reaching out to them, personalizing it. Now, let's, let's put that together under one group so that you can do what you would normally do manually, but 10 times faster. And it was sort of a, as I mentioned, it was an internal software group we put together and we put it in front of our team and they were like, man, this is ridiculously awesome. <laughs> so that's what we found out. We got something here. And that is sort of, we've also been helping other businesses do the same thing. This episode is brought to you by Store Builder from Nexus. When it comes to setting up an e-commerce site, you have a choice between easy but limited or a limitless platform that you need to manage yourself. Until now. Store Builder is e-commerce made easy for everybody. 
It saves you time and delivers a storefront that lets you get to selling. As someone who set up multiple e-commerce sites, I can tell you that Store Builder has been a much easier experience than anything else. Answer a few questions, add your content, and sell. Store Builder was created and is supported by e-commerce experts at Nexus. Get the speed, security, and support you need when you need it. Are you ready to launch your perfect online store? Head over to howibuilt.it slash storebuilder for a special offer. That's howibuilt.it slash storebuilder. First of all, something that I tell a lot of people if they want to be consistent in content creation is to repurpose. And I feel like this is, it's like spiritual cousin, right? You're not reinventing the wheel by creating a bunch of new content. You're reinvesting in content you've already created. Um, so let me just ask you, um, is there an uh, an average length of the content? Is it, have you found that like 900 words is better than like 3000 words or 3000 words? Like, or does it depend on the keyword, right? I can imagine that people are probably, um, you know, if they want like how to upload to Google Drive, that's like a 500 word article, but it's like how to start a podcast. That's probably like a 15,000 word article. Right. Yeah, you know, uh, Joe, it's, it's funny you mentioned this because there's a famous meme in the SEO space. It's, uh, it's called It Depends. There's that picture <laughs> of that guy slapping that on, yeah. on any question, <laughs> that little tank of water. And I'm going to have to use that uh, tape here uh, and say as, it depends. As a, as a software developer, I'm very familiar with the term it depends exactly. as well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so uh, it, it, as I mentioned, it, word count, I've also instructed this to our writers because they think they're doing a good job if they write long pieces of content. Uh, and I always tell them, I was like, I couldn't care less if it's 200 words or if it's 20,000 words. You need to satisfy user intent. Take a look at other articles that are already performing well and create something better, more valuable in the shortest amount of words possible. And and if it requires you to go longer, go longer. If it doesn't, then don't. There's no need. I love that. That's, um, you know, I used to teach in the classroom for a number of years and it's something I miss, but I always, you know, I always got the question like, oh, how long does the paper have to be? And I would always say, uh, as long as you need to answer all of the questions I've asked you to answer, right? That's, oh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Everyone hates it because they want a tar they want a target within their control, right? Uh, if I say three pages, well, great. Now I know I need to make it three pages, but, um, if I just say, well, you need to answer these four questions and however long it takes you fine. And they're like, well, have I adequately answered the question? Right. But it's true. I, you know, I don't, I'm not, I didn't want to read, you know, 20, 10 page papers. I'm not a history teacher. I'm a computer science teacher. Right. Um, but I, I, that makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Right. And, and I ask you this cause now I'm thinking, you know, I have a really nice back catalog of content, especially on my podcast website, which I'm trying to um, improve and, and, and rank better for. And now I'm like, have I, have I satisfied user intent? This is not something that I've really looked into. So now it's time to go back and look at the keywords I really should want to rank for and answer questions that users are actually asking, um, which in turn will allow me to do what I think the next step you're going to talk about is, which is how do we link build? Like, what do we do we just reach out to, should I reach out to the podcast host and be like, hey, I wrote this post that directly competes with yours. Do you want to link to it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question, Joe. So to answer that question and knowing how deep I should get, how much time do we have left? Uh, well, you know, uh, you, <laughs> this is terrible. I usually like to go <laughs> as long as needed, but we, I try to keep the episodes to about uh, 45 minutes. So uh, we have about 15 or 15 minutes 15 or so. Minutes or so. Yeah. All right. I'm going to use half of that time to, to answer your question. All right. Be great. Okay? Yeah. Perfect. Okay, great. Awesome. So Joe, let's do this. I did that on another podcast and uh, um, hopefully it wouldn't be repetitive because I, the same, the podcast host asked me, he was like, Hey, you're the link building guy. Uh, how do you build links? I was like, do you want me to get a link from your site? <laughs> because I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah, that's funny. So yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's let's actually do it. Uh, what the heck? We have, we have nothing to lose. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, that this feels like evergreen content, right? Like you okay, get to just perfect. choose. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Let's do it. So I'm going to just go ahead and randomly pick up blog post from our blog. Um, the first one I found on our website is called SaaS SEO. That's the target keyword. We just published this, gosh, March 11th. Today is March 16th, so five days ago. So let's say, Joe, you've ha- you have a um, content on your website. So let me, let me actually walk you through the process of what we do on Respondents. On the Respondent side, you use what we call this Google Advanced Operators to get your searches granular. So meaning that uh, we can go and identify other pieces of content that are not directly competing with ours or talking about, for example, what are some of the top marketing strategies for SaaS companies? And they listed like 10 different strategies and talked about 10 different strategies, one of which being SEO. Okay. Now let's say you put together a, a content piece that you repurpose something from top marketing strategies in 2022 for SaaS companies, for software companies. And you mentioned SEO in there. So you included that keyword SaaS SEO in the content piece, but the target title of your content piece doesn't specifically say SaaS SEO. It's, it's something else. Or you've already mentioned another SaaS SEO article on your content piece, which is easily identifiable using a tool like Ahrefs or SEMrush. Mm. So either way, they're using those two strategies, what we call anchor text strategy or competitor backlink strategy. We actually have a little average strategy hub on our website, and we just put it out publicly. Even if you don't use Respana, you can still do this yourself manually. Just go to Respana.com. At the bottom of the page, there's an average strategy hub. And uh, we actually give you step by steps on, on like it's like a recipe. So like here's how you do, here's how you do discovery, etc. All right. So Joe, let's say I came across your top marketing strategies article, and you mentioned SaaS SEO under target of the title of the article is top marketing strategies. All right, it's not SaaS SEO. So then Respana, what it would do is to, or or if you were to do it manually, all right, we want to go and find first. We look at the writer of the article, see if who's the writer, okay? If it's some freelance writer that's, that you just hired out of Upwork to write it for you, wouldn't be the right contact for us because he doesn't, or he or she doesn't have any sort of editorial access. So if the writer is you, great. We want to reach out to them directly if that, or if the writer is your editor. If not, there, there's no writer on the page. Or there is a writer, but that person doesn't actually work at the company. Then we want to go look your company up on LinkedIn. Again, Respond automatically does that, but Unless we, we're just trying to do this manually ourselves. Mm-hmm. We find some sort of content manager or SEO person, someone relevant in your company who works there currently who has access to a blog. And we want to find that person or people, if there are multiple ones, their con- direct contact information, verify emails, make sure they're still valid, and then reach out and say, hey, Joe, can we go to post on top marketing strategies? Notice you talked about SaaS SEO here, but didn't really dive deep into the topic or reference, for example, this article. It's a couple of years old. And uh, we, our team just put together a comprehensive piece that I think would make a nice addition or a replacement. And um, if you were kind to give us a mention here, I'm more than happy to reference one of your articles in the, in the guest list I'm writing for HubSpot. Mm, okay. So this is what we call a foot in the door, where we are trying to open up a collaboration with a person. So it's purely a transactional exchange that is not reciprocal. It's not directly, but hey, it's basically saying, Joe, I'm gonna if you do this for me, I'm gonna do this for you. Or another wording is, hey, I'm actually writing a good article for HubSpot, and I found this article on your website. I think would make a great addition. And I would really appreciate it if you'd be able to also mention one of our SaaS SEO articles in, in one of your blog posts. All right. Now, about 5 to 10% of people say yes to that. We don't need everybody to say yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, 5 to 10% say yes. Let's do it. Okay. Let's say, Joe, I reached out to your editor, that person. What's the name of your editor? Or it's all done by you? It's all done by me. All right. Perfect. Let's say the editor's name is Joe. I like yeah. Hey, Joe, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you adding, um, referencing our article here. That's given that our article is of high quality and I always recommend to folks to play within your league. So if you just started the website, go reach out to other small sites. If you're a larger site now, like the like domain rating of responders is about 76, 77. Now I can reach out to you, which also have a high authority website, to collaborate because you don't want to reference articles from a smaller sites. Now, once we have that foot in the door, 
And then I go ahead and, and reference your article on a comparable site, right? So let's say I'm writing it, contributing an article to some other website, and I reference one of your articles. So you got a reference from another website, and you also added value to your readers by referencing another quality article on your article. All right. Now, here's the, the kicker. So that's 33 and a third step of the process. We have a three-step link building process. Step one, transaction linkages. Number two, now that I, I, now that I have my foot in the door, Joe, I'm like, thank you, Joe, for adding a link. I went ahead and referenced your article on my guest post, on HubSpot. By the way, I was taking a look at your, what, what would be like a competing website? Or like, for example, Neil Schaefer, I think, has also got a podcast, got a lot of Mm-hmm. Uh, good content is flight and backlinko and, and what would be like websites in your space that, that you respect? Uh, I mean, if we're looking at like the podcast services specifically, like there's the the podcast host, right? Uh, probably a lot bigger than my site though, but let's just go with them. Yeah. Okay. Neil Schaefer and say doc tip marketing. All right. So say, by the way, so Ahrefs or SEMers, these tools give you their top competitors. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. this site is on an organic traffic level is competing with this and that website. So I run us through what we call a keyword gap analysis. We're like, okay, what are some of the keywords that those two sites are both ranking for that you aren't? And then we take a screenshot of that keyword. Let's say the keyword topic on that is marketing plan template. All right. But like, hey, Joe, thanks for adding a link. By the way, I was taking a look at Ahrefs today, and I noticed that both Neil Schaefer and Dr. Marketing guys are both ranking for marketing plan template, but you guys aren't. They actually have a member of our marketing team just put together a a marketing plan template for us. We'd love to um, write an article for your website covering that keyword for you. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, if you've if you've presented me with the the details, right, I'm way more likely to say yes to that. Exactly, over ninety yeah. percent say yes because yeah. of two reasons. One, we already collaborated together; we already broke mm-hmm. bread together. Two, I'm hitting you up again with a very highly targeted pitch, taking your self interest in mind. All right, then now, and by mentioning a couple of your competitors, that also right. is a is yeah. like nail on chalkboard for some people. So when you yeah. when they see it, they're like, "Yes, I gotta have this keyword." Now. <laughs> <laughs> and now we lead to the third step, okay, which is building partnerships. So now that we've collaborated, Joe, like, listen, Joe, we already did the transactional link exchange. We already collaborated together. We already contributed the blog to your website. We're buddies now. All right. So I actually publish his uh, guest posts on other quality websites quite often. And uh, you have quality content on your site. And if you also contribute to other websites, we'd love to partner up together. So anytime that you feel necessary or anytime it would make sense, you can reference one of respond articles on there. And we do the same for you. Now what happens over time, you're going to end up with a dozen of these partners. Half of them are going to be no good. Not going to be active. Not going to be very responsive. That's fine. Gonna end up with like five, six, seven really, really good partners. And here's what happens. Next time you go through the process and you get a five to ten percent successor on your transactional link exchange, then you pitch them a guess list 90% say yes. Then you have the opportunity to reference five or six of other partners of yours mm-hmm. who also have quality content in that guest list. Yeah. And here's the real key: it creates a little ripple effect. Now that every time you contribute an article to, to another website, it indirectly results in your partners reciprocating by five or six other backlinks from five or six other different websites. And over time, you turn this into a machine that keeps referencing your website and keeps referencing your articles and their articles. And, and that's the real way. Now, it's easier said than that. <laughs> and I'm going to be completely upfront with you. Requires a lot of experimentation in terms of messaging, incentives, figuring out what works best for you in your space. And what matters is that at the end of the day, you're going to end up with 10% of your strategies working really well. Cut the other 90%, double on the stuff that works. Wow. That, I mean, I'll just, I'll just say up front, right, that I'm basically really turned off anytime I get any kind of backlink request, but that process made me want to try this more and be more open because, um, I mean, obviously what I'm doing isn't working as well as I'd like it to, but I think the the core thing that you're mentioning here, right, is there is a, a it's not just the, hey, do this for me, right? It's do this, for, I'll do this for you, you do this for me. 
Now we're working together. By the way, I, I did a little bit of legwork for you, right? And I think that people are always, people are willing to pay back when, when favors are done for them or whatever, right? And, uh, but then you have this partnership, right? This is, I mean, it, that definitely works. I can, I can vouch for that. There are a few podcast bookers I work with because they've done the legwork. They've recommended good guests and, um, I mean, the same thing can and, and should happen with, with the written content too. So I, I really like this strategy. It's super interesting. Um, we're coming up on time. So I'll just, I'll just ask you, you know, I generally, uh, for the listeners in the pre-show, I, I, did, I did say I don't like these interviews to become commercials for the product, but tell me a little bit about Respondent now. Like how, <laughs> um, you know, how, how does it work? Because now you've given us the hard part, right? right. Uh, if you do it, if you do this yourself, this is, um, the path, a, a more resistive path, but you've, you've built a tool right. with this tried and true process. So tell us a little bit about how it works. Exactly. So uh, I always say this also, mm-hmm. I'd like to mention this in interviews as a disclaimer is that if you're a startup, if you're a small company and have no resources, don't come pay for all this fancy tool mm-hmm. or respond included. There's always mm-hmm. easier ways to do it. It's always stuff you can do manually. You should always start looking for tools when it becomes too hard to manage. All right. And and, I, and, it, and it's funny, sometimes in our demo calls, I always tell them, I'm like, hey guys, you guys just started out. Like, you should probably just do this manually, honestly. Like, don't start paying us until like, un- unless you have a pain, don't try to solve it, right? Yeah, it's so, it's like how people are saying, you know, do things, people on Twitter are saying, do things that yeah, don't scale. Exactly. Do things that don't yeah. scale for a while until you yeah. need to scale. Exactly, and, and don't yeah. come, and I command all of the audience not to go sign up for Respondent. Yeah, there's yeah. a ton of free educational material we'll put out there. There's a ton of strategies, and I always try, try to tie our content team. Like anything you guys teach people, always tell them an alternative way of doing it manually. Because as a matter of fact, Respondent does no magic. We do no magic. Everything Respondent does is just helping you do what you do manually, but 10 times faster. Mm. Uh, so responder basically enables you to reach out to any person in the world from any website in a streamlined format so you can basically uh either import a list from like ahrefs or if you have a list of articles you normally raw information from any link building campaign starts from a bunch of articles so responder helps you filter those out and find the specific conferences that you need to reach out to and then it goes and does the research automatically in terms of that process you remember i walk you through of go start from the writer, if not find a content manager, if not then find a generic last resort, finding the emails, verifying them, make sure it's the relevant person, a content manager or, or a person in your industry, not just a random software engineer, right? <laughs> or a, 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 a support email. Uh, so starting from basically finding the right websites to now automating, finding the right person to getting their contact information directly. Now last step, is that you put a pamphlet for the for the um, uh, for the pitch, but you also want to go above and beyond and personalize those. Connect with them on LinkedIn. Now let's actually mention something they've talked about in an article, so it doesn't sound like a, cut, a cookie cutter template pitch. So the respondent gives you like some snippets from the article you can work through and 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 basically be able to do what you would normally give you the same flexibility as manual average, but in a more streamlined form. And once you go in and click launch, they're sending out emails from your own email account. It automatically follows up and gives you some metrics and statistics on how well your campaigns are performing. So it basically brings the whole process from A to Z under one roof and automates a lot of the dirty work so that you can focus more on personalization and collaborations than doing research and dealing with spreadsheets and all that stuff. Gotcha. So I'm going to share two things with the listeners right now, right? Um, One is that I do my guest outreach and some of my sponsor outreach and the outreach for me to go on other people's podcasts are, I, I, I call it semi-automated, right? There's a Google sheet where I fill in the name and the email, et cetera. And it's mostly a canned email, but there's uh, one cell in that spreadsheet that's like personal message and it'll insert it in, in an appropriate spot. Um, and so I, I, that's kind of the way I'm doing it because it does make it feel more personal and, and you're including the same information anyway, right? It sounds like Respana does all the stuff, all the hard stuff, right? Find the email addresses and, and whatnot. I'm also going to share this. Most of the pitches I get to, 
to come on this show are like, hey, Joe, saw you have a podcast called How I Built It. I want to pitch my guest, you know, Jim Baseball. He's like the greatest hitter to ever walk the earth. Want him on your show? Uh, and what Farzad shared with me in the, in, in the pre-show interview was that the pitch uh, for you to come on the show, right, came from Respana. Is that accurate? That's right. Yeah. I had no idea. It felt <laughs> super personal. Um, to the point where usually when I get those pitches, I have a text expander, full disclosure, text expander is a sponsor, a text expander snippet that pre-populates an email and it just says, yeah, if you want to apply here. I actually wrote uh, a, a custom response back thanking thanking Dylan for the kind words and saying I'm open to potential guests. So, um, you know, it, you say there's no magic, but the pitch I got from Respana worked because it totally, I really thought it was like a handwritten email. So, I mean, kudos there, like, well done. Uh, nice work. I appreciate that. Thank you. And, you know, I always say like, you you could have done that yourself manually. You don't necessarily right. need a tool like Respana. But what, what Dylan did um, is that we're actually plugged right into um, Listen Notes and, and iTunes. So it's a live engine for podcasts. And then once you, uh, basically pop in, like, for example, you can find people uh, who are in the similar space that we are on, and it will pull up all the episodes that they've been a guest on. And this tells you three things. One, these podcasts accept guests to the relevant to your space. And also you can use that episode as a hook to personalize a pitch. And then what Responda does is that he automatically goes and finds the host and finds the emails and all that stuff's automated. And then now you have, since all that process was done quickly, then you have time to actually, so he pulls up the last five episodes of that podcast, and then you can actually reference something from one of the episodes in the podcast in the pitch. Um, and then maybe also connect with them on LinkedIn. And, and, and then once you set them out, then that process is, again, done automatically. So that, that human touch is added right at the right time when he needs to. The rest of the stuff is completely automated so it could save some time. Yeah, really, really impressive. Um, awesome. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Um, I do need to ask you my my favorite question, which is, you've given us so much, but do you have any trade secrets for us? Secrets. Okay. The secret is things always sound a lot easier when somebody talks about it on a podcast. Um, you know, I always remember this. I was listening. I remember when I, when, when we first started respond, I was talking, I was listening to this podcast episode. I was driving and I was listening to this podcast episode from the founder of Typeform or something. Mm -hmm. And, and the guy was just like, the way he was talking, I mean, I love Typeform and, and their team and, you know, they've done great things and their new company, the call that you asked. But I remember the founder said something. He's like, uh, and, and the podcast interviewer asked him, he was like, What's how how's the journey at the beginning? Like, how'd you get your early customer? And he says something in lines of I don't remember exactly, but it was like it's on lines of yeah, the first million ARR just came very easily. <laughs> and I just remember I was so discouraged. Up to yeah. point I was just like, stop the podcast. I was like, this is this is very discouraging. Like it's a very uphill battle here. Every day there's a new crisis, there's something going on. And and it, it doesn't feel like it's coming out easily. It's like it, it's the exact opposite of that. And and, and when I'm talking through these strategies, it doesn't mean it's easy to do, but it means it's possible. And, and, and you won't know how difficult it is or how easy it is until you actually go and take action. And, and that's the only thing I want to leave you with is that none of the stuff I'm going to talk about, I don't want to make anything sound overly easy because when you actually start doing it, I don't want people to be uh, discouraged. This is supposed to be difficult because if it was too easy to do, everybody would have done it and it wouldn't mm -hmm. be effective anymore. Yeah. Wow. I love that. That's a great trade secret too. It's something that I try to tell my, again, my podcast students, right? I'm, I I make most of my income from podcast, either sponsorships or services. And when they, when they start, they're like, how do I get sponsors? I'm like, the same exact thing you recommend. I build relationships. I tap my network. People trust me. It's not going to be easy. It's work. And I'm not going to tell you you're going to make six figures in six months, but you put in the work and, and you can, because I'm just some guy who did it. I just worked really hard to, to do it. Um, 
So what a fantastic trade secret. Things always sound a lot easier when someone talks about it on a podcast. I feel like that's a good, a really good pull quote. Uh, Farzad Rashidi, thanks so much for joining us. If people want to learn more, where can they find you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. There is not a whole lot of Farzad Rashidis on LinkedIn, so I should be pretty easy to spot. <laughs> Awesome. And I believe you did share that link with me as well. So I will link to that and everything we talked about in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 263. If you want to become a member of the creator crew and hear uh, Farzad and I talk about um, kind of going about creating content a little bit more, um, you can do that as well. Sign up for just 50 bucks a year. That's that's one Starbucks coffee a month, basically. So, um, but Farzad, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. It, it. All pleasure is mine. Thank you for having me on the show, Joe. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks to our sponsors who make the show possible. Uh, if you enjoyed this show, head over to howibuilt.it slash 263 and check out all the show notes. Visit the sponsors. Visit Farzad. Uh, but until next time, get out there and build something. <laughs>